What's up, everybody? This is Pastor Cole Burks here at Hope Unlimited Church. I have a message for you today, and I pray that it would send you uh, in peace, it would send you in joy, and that you would be just overcome with the presence of God, and I pray that this would uplift you in every way. Um, send this to somebody that you may think that needs it after you give it a listen, and I will see you at the end of this message. I want to jump right into the message today. I uh, was asked this question, and so this is a part of our questions that you're asking series. Jensen, can you bring the volume down on the keys just a little bit? It's in the series, questions that you're asking, and I thought this was a good time for me to preach this because several reasons I'll get into in the message, but the title of this message today is Walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. The question that I received that provoked this in me was, how do I walk in the Spirit? Nothing real, you know, outlandish is how do I walk in the Spirit? So I want to talk about that this morning. And I want to start with a passage of Scripture from Galatians 5 that probably even provoked this question. The NLT version says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. All other versions say, so walk in the Spirit. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature that we have desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. Listen to this. So you are not free. I love this. I, this is, I love this. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. It didn't say that you're free to carry out your good intentions. It says you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation of the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition. That's a good one. Dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Thanks for the clarification there, Paul. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the Holy, produce, Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Listen to this. Listen to this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and the desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us also follow the Spirit's leading in every 
part of my lives. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. I thank you for your spirit this morning. Pray that you would pierce our hearts this morning with something that would change us, with something that would form us more into your image so that we can be the image that you've asked us to be to a world that doesn't know what you look like yet. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Jansen, you're good. My beloved brethren, Jansen, Pastor Jay, Dr. Jay, whatever you want to call him. Give it up for Jansen this morning. Jansen actually recommended uh, a coffee company to me that I just tried out, and now... What Jansen has done, because he recommended this coffee company to me, because I am a coffee connoisseur, and I think that it is good, Jansen made himself a deposit into my trust bank. And so I trust Jansen more than the average Joe, and have for some time, actually. But um, this morning, I'm going to ask you to lean in to what I feel like God is saying. I feel like this could be a monumental message for our church. I also have been feeling for the past couple weeks that God is, I can't exactly put my finger on it, but God is up to something in our community. And I don't know how to talk about it yet, but I just know that I have expectation for whatever he wants to do in whatever way that he wants to move. But I'm going to ask you this morning to lean in because I genuinely believe that this message could transform your life And it could, more than that, it will transform your walk with God for sure. So, I am going to talk about a little bit before I get into the meat of this message this morning, where we went wrong in the church. I actually just read to you a passage of scripture that probably you've heard before, right? You've probably heard that before. If you want to live by the Spirit... Don't sin. Right? You've heard that before. If you want to live by the Spirit, don't sin. If you want to live by the flesh, sin all you want to. Right? You've probably heard something like that before. When you sin, you feed your flesh. And when you don't sin, you starve out your flesh. And somehow that feeds your spirit. Right? You've probably heard something of that nature. In my version of the Bible, it actually says this. It says, walk by the Spirit and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. If you grew up, when most of us grew up in any sort of charismatic movement, you have heard that phrase, walk by the Spirit and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. And we preach this from Galatians chapter 5. Yes, You've heard it before. You've heard this sermon before. I want to correct something in our thinking this morning. And you may not like it. That's okay. I don't care. Um, so, if you feel the need to critique my, my message after, go home and critique it to yourself. Because I don't care. Because I'm right. Okay. We have preached Galatians 5, and we have tried to tell people, if you just don't sin, you'll walk in the Spirit. 
And if you do sin, then you won't walk in the Spirit. And specifically, if you carry out these sins that Paul lists here, then you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Right? I think he is right. I agree with Paul. In the context of the previous chapter, I think Galatians 5 is an awesome chapter connected with Galatians 4 and Galatians 6. Because if you try to do Galatians 5, if you try to live out Galatians 5 without having an understanding of what Galatians 4 says, you will die on the hill of self-righteousness. If you don't understand what Galatians 4 is about, Paul sets us up for Galatians 5, and a lot of times what we do is, is we isolate this passage of Scripture in Galatians 5 and say, this is how you walk in the Spirit. And it is, but there are some things that you have to understand before you can walk in the Spirit. This is how I believe that the evangelical church has preached walking in the Spirit. Correct your activity, walk in the Spirit, and then you inherit the kingdom of God. You're son of God, son or daughter of God. And I actually completely disagree with that. Here's my bomb that I'm dropping this morning. Correct your activity, you'll inherit the kingdom of God, and that's going to make you a son or a daughter of God. I actually think it's the exact opposite of that. I think, it's the, I think it's the total opposite of that. I think that you correct your identity first. Then you become sensitive to the, to the Spirit of God and what He has to say. And then that will correct your activity. I don't believe that it goes, I correct my activity... Then I become sensitive to what God's saying, and then I get my identity as a son or a daughter. I've got, I've got, I've got sledgehammers for all sorts of theologies and doctors this morning, so if I don't get to yours, I will at some point. Okay? All of them are going to get demolished this morning, and I am excited. Yes. We read Galatians 5 without the context of Galatians 4. A lot of times we ask the question, how do I walk in the Spirit? But this is what I'm understanding about especially Gen Z and millennials and definitions. Number one, they just make up whatever definition they want for anything. They change the meaning of anything whenever they want to to make their point against you or against what you think. They just change the definitions of things whenever they get ready to. It's like nothing is clearly defined anymore, so everything is offensive to somebody. Next week I'm preaching about the difference between being offended and being church hurt. So you want to be here for that one. Some of y'all ain't been hurt by the church, you just got offended. We'll get to that next week. Yeah, Get to that next week. Here's what you need to know first. If you want to walk in the Spirit... I, we need to kind of, I want to, 
hit every definition of what I think is meant by this first. Here's some other things that you might ask yourself. How do I not satisfy my flesh's desire? That's another way that this question can be asked. Okay? Or this. How do I say no to things that I know later I will feel shameful about? Right? That's really kind of what we mean when we talk about walking in the Spirit. This is all, you sin, you do some of these things that Paul says, you feel shameful about it, and you want to know how to not feel that shame. Okay? I believe the first thing that you have to get rooted in to not feel shame and guilt when you fail is you have to get rooted in your identity in God. You have to get rooted in your identity in God as a son or a daughter. Some of you believe that when you fail, somehow you magically are not a son or a daughter anymore. And you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And you have, God has stripped all of, his, all, of the, all of the things that you were set to inherit. Now you're not going to inherit because you just forfeited your right as a son. No! That's not how this works. I want to read a passage to you out of Galatians 4. That's the way it was before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to basic spiritual principles of this world. Listen to this. Galatians 4 is actually one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. And... I claimed that chapter before it was cool. I have it tattooed on the inside of my arm, and it's been there for a while. You were slaves to basic spiritual principles of this world, but when the time was right, God sent His Son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent Him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law. Listen to this. So He could adopt us as His very own children. And because we are His children, God has sent His Spirit forth into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Now, listen to this, now, because of that, you are no longer a slave, but a son or a daughter, and an heir through God. Right? What that means is, is that you get the same inheritance as Jesus got. That's what that means. You're an heir. Before you Gentiles knew God, I love this, you were slaves to so-called gods that they did not even exist. So now, listen to this, now that you know God, or should I say that God knows you, Why do you go back again and become slaves once more to the weak, useless, spiritual principles of this world? Listen, if you want to get rooted in your identity as a son or a daughter in God, you cannot be focused on your love for God and how much you know God. You must make this shift into your mind of how God knows you. 
Paul said, it's not that you knew God, it's that God knew you. A lot of times what we do is, is we think, because I do these actions, then I must not know God, and that's why you keep doing the actions. That's why you can't quit sinning. That's why you can't quit gratifying the desires of your flesh. Is because you feel like that it's up to you to keep this thing together. And listen, it's not up to you because it was never about your love for God. It was always about God's love for you. It was always about the fact that I, it's not that I know God. It's that in the middle of my mess, God still chooses to know me. It's about the fact that when I was sinful and gratifying the desires of the flesh, God still says, I know you and I know your most inward parts. I know your thoughts. I know your motives. I know your heart. I know all of that stuff. And our boast is in God's love for us. Listen, all of the sin issues in your life, I really do believe this. This is going to be a bold statement. And I'm just swinging for the fence this morning, so you're going to have to give me grace. All of the sin issues in your life, all of them, all of them, say all, are rooted in a broken, fractured identity. They're all rooted in you not knowing who you are. All of them. Listen, what I do does not determine who I am. Who I am determines what I do. Because I'm a son, I'm no longer a slave. Are you with me? It's not because I stopped being a slave, I became a son. It's now because I am a son, I can't be a slave anymore. I can still act like a slave, but my identity is not, sla- it's not a slave. I can still participate in sinful activity, but that has no effect on how God views me. It will have an effect on how you view God, though. Participating in sinful activity does not scare God. We come up at some point in the church, at some point in time, with some doctrine. I don't know who created this one, but it's a real bad one because we got problems from the get-go. How many of you ever heard this? God cannot look upon sin. What did Jesus do? You think Jesus just walked around all the time like blind? You think he just wrapped like a, what are those things called that you get on an airplane when you want to go to sleep? You think he just put one of those on? Just walked around? Whatever Pedro just said, ask him after church. He knows, I don't. You think Jesus just walked around? With his eyes closed all the time? Because God can't look on sin. 
What about the woman caught in adultery? You ever think about that one? You think Jesus was just like, let me just give you an example. There's this woman over here, she's caught in adultery. It's like, who is without sin cast the first stone at this woman over here? She's somewhere over there. I can't see her because I can't look at her because she's in sin. So whoever wants to cast the first stone, y'all go ahead. And then when all of her condemners left, he's like, all right, now I can look at her because it feels like that she may have repented or something. I'll give you some even more just swing for the fence news. The woman caught in adultery never repented. It's a tough one for some of you. You can get, get with it. Listen, the behavior you can't seem to get a grip on that you want to correct so badly is because of a broken identity. You're aiming at the wrong thing. You're, you keep missing the mark because you keep missing the mark. You keep trying to fix an issue over here that's rooted in a broken identity that will never get fixed until that gets whole. It will never get fixed until that gets whole. Until your identity is you are a whole son and daughter of God. You're going to continue to look for different things to fill you. Let me hit you with this one. You believing something other than who God says you are is actually the highest form of idolatry that you can have. You go back to the garden and choose the way of Adam all over again. When you choose to believe something other than who God says you are about yourself, you go back to the garden and you pick Adam all over again. Because Adam thought he knew who God created him to be. And, and it was based off of what he was going to do for God. Instead of just walking in the cool of the day with God. And then he was deceived. And lived a life that gratified the desires of the flesh. You know that there is such thing as sin, right? We believe that here. Sin exists. But you're holding on to thoughts about yourself that are not his, but they're higher than his in, your, in, in the system, in the pecking order, right? You think, here's my thoughts about myself, and then here's, God thought, and here's God's thoughts about me. And this only gets put to the test in failure, this doesn't even get tested in success. Anybody can be doing great and walking with God and be like, yeah, I believe everything God says about me. But what about when you absolutely blow it? What about when you absolutely blow it? 
then are you still a son or a daughter? That's what God's word says. God's word says that I am a son or a daughter and I'm not a slave anymore. Even though sometimes I have slave-like tendencies, that does not mean I am a slave. That means I still don't believe that I am fully his son. And it, and, and it still believes that I don't, I don't, it still highlights that I don't believe that I am fully an heir, that I fully inherit everything that Jesus said I would inherit, which is his sonship. Right? Once you're convinced of who you are and God's love for you, you will be convinced that he doesn't just want a person to show up so that he can get through them. Once you're convinced that you're a son, you will stop believing that you're just some tool in the hand of God. You have a broken image of God, and that's the reason why like some of you can't function unless you're doing something. It's because you believe that God's the, the greatest honor that you could ever have would be, would be for God to use you. And I completely disagree with that. The greatest honor that we have is that God is in us and we get to be with Him. It's not that, we, that He gets to use us. Right? And so once you're convinced of your identity in God, I'm going down this order here. Once you're convinced of your identity in God, then you get this thing. And I don't know, really have great language to describe it, but I just going to say it like this. You have a heightened sensitivity of the presence of God. You begin to see Him in ways that you did not see Him before. Once you're convinced about your identity, then God can start dealing with some things in you. He can start saying things like no when you want to participate in some sort of activity that's going to damage you. Bill Johnson actually says this. I think this is a great quote. So he reads the passage of Scripture that where Jesus comes up from getting baptized and the Bible says that the Holy Spirit descended as a dove, landed on his shoulder. And he says this. If a dove were to land on your shoulder, how would you live your life? You would make every move with the dove in mind. The reason why some of you don't walk in the Spirit is because you don't even have God in mind when you make decisions. You don't even think about God. You think about your favorite politician. What they think is permissible in the kingdom of God. I'll just be straight honest with you. Some people in the church, the reason why they don't have any oil, I can make this entire thing into a sermon here, but I won't. I'll just hit on this real quick. If you don't like it, I don't care. When the Bible says that Israel wanted a king, Israel demanded that they have a king. And when Israel demanded that they have a king, the prophet begged them, you don't want this. Over and over and over and over. You do not actually want a king. God actually pleaded with them, you 
do not want a king. And they said, no, we got to have a king. we got to have a king. And so they got Saul. Saul took the throne and was the king. But he didn't have any oil on him. And the reason why some of you live your lives bound by a political system and you can't get free from other people's opinion is because you worship a king that doesn't have any oil on him. David was anointed on the backside of the desert and went and got in a cave. You're looking for a king on a throne and sometimes our king goes and hides in a cave. And sometimes we want everybody to decide how we want to follow Jesus. Can I be honest with you? Something that I'm tired of hearing, I'm tired of hearing, well, my Jesus does this. I don't care about your Jesus. I want this Jesus. I want this Jesus. I'm not interested in following your Jesus. Especially if you think you look like him. And got no desire to follow that Jesus. I'm not even going to follow you to the water fountain. I dropped my water. Been following y'all to the water fountain. I feel like we in the church in America, we act like we know God more than we ever have. And because we have failed to be sensitive to the Spirit of God, we act like we know God, but really, we just know the God we want to know. We don't know Jesus. We know our own image of God that we've created. Here's when I here's when I Jesus. Here's when I swing for the fence. Okay. I'm up to bat, swinging for the fence. Some of you are deeply committed to a God that doesn't like you. Which is deeply strange. Odd, very strange. You're committed to following a God that doesn't even like you, or that's what you believe about Him because you were handed that by somebody. Some of you are committed to following a Jesus that never tells you no, never corrects your bad attitude. Always allows you to participate in the activities that you want to participate in because your favorite leader does it. Some of you need to stop riding the coattails of other leaders' convictions. Get your own. Just because Bethel does it doesn't mean you need to do it. Just because Hillsong decided to do it doesn't mean you need to do it. Just because the, the people at Elevation do it doesn't mean you need to do it. You need to get before God and get some, some of your own convictions. Should I just go for it? Some of you say that you're free, and you're not free at all. Because you have to tell everybody about how free you are. You're not free from anything. You're bound by the opinion of other people. And you want to be on the cutting edge of Christianity. I have a drink here and have a drink here and have a drink here. I don't have anything against drinking. Okay? But did God tell you that you could? 
Or do you do that because you saw a worship leader for Bethel post an Instagram story? Did you even think to consult with God about what would be good for you? I love Bethel. <laughs> Listen to their music often. Like Hillsong. Like Elevation. Listen to an Elevation song last night when I was walking Winston. Also, if you want to randomly know a song that I had on last night when I was walking Winston, some Judy Jacobs. Come on. That's not. Days of Elijah. Katie, you need to get set free. You get set free from that love. Are you following a Jesus? Are you following a God that never tells you no? Sensitivity to the Spirit doesn't mean that He just amends everything about your life. It means sometimes He wants to correct some things. And if you are rooted in a proper identity, this isn't hard. Because you know that you are His and He's going to take care of you. The reason why some of you have such a problem with God convicting you is because you don't, or God disciplining some actions that you want to do is because you don't believe He's really good. You believe that He has it out to harm you by telling you you don't need to do this. How dumb of it would be of me just to let Beckham do whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. Open the garage, Beckham is running into the road. Car coming or not, his road, you're just driving in it. I'm serious. Takes an Olympic sprinter to run him down sometimes. It's like I open the garage, I'm trying to put something in the trunk of my car. I turn around and Beckham is out there by the sidewalk just picking up rocks. I'm like, what are you doing and how did you get out there so fast? Get back over here. I don't do that because I don't want Beckham to have any fun. I do that because I don't want him to die. And sometimes God says, no, get back over here. Not because he don't want you to have any fun, because he doesn't want you to die. Yes. Yes. And he doesn't want you to live with this broken identity yes. all the time. Yes. Yes. One of my favorite chapters of Scripture, Acts 26, Paul is preaching and he gets knocked off of a horse, or he tells the story of getting knocked off of a horse. He actually gets knocked off that horse in Acts chapter 9. Paul is telling this story, and when he's telling this story, he says Jesus comes to him. Jesus clotheslines him off a horse. He's going to kill other Christians. Knocks him off a horse. And he says, Paul, why do you continue to kick against the pricks? Why do you continue to go down this road and I've been tugging on your heart the whole time to stop doing this? 
But now you don't get it, and now you're on the way to murder more Christians, so I'm going to have to intervene. A lot of times, when God begins to refine you, and He begins to, it, your, in, your sensitivity to God's voice increases, and he begins, to, he begins to refine you, what happens is, is that you can get to a place where you ignore that little prick. You just ignore it. You ignore the no of God. Don't ignore the no of God. Because you are His. And He's going to be sure that you're taken care of. And it can be as easy as possible. Or it can be as firm as it needs to be. Us real rebellious folks, we've got some real firm no's in our day. Isn't that right, Stephen? <laughs> got some real firm no's from God. But it's all because He knows what I need and He has what's best in mind for me. How many of you have ever ignored a no before? Wish you had now. Yep. Because God knows what you need, man. He is, he is, so, you are his child and he loves you so much that he will tell you no. No. Something also I will say too about freedom. If you throw shade at other people because they're convicted differently than you, you're just bound by a spirit of religion. And please understand what I'm saying about this. I don't just mean when people are free to do other things, you throw shade at them. I mean the people who are free to do other things. When you throw shade at people who don't participate in things, you are also bound by a spirit of religion. You need to keep your mouth shut and let them live their lives. At least they have some conviction about something. You're just a free-for-all. You just do whatever you want. And you have no fruit to show for it. Moving on. Listen, if your freedom is causing other people to stumble, that's not freedom. That's you having a rebellious spirit. And wanting to take jabs at people. Stop. It's annoying. It's obnoxious. And it hurts your fellow Christian. So if they don't want to watch that movie, leave them alone. And if they don't want to have a drink, shut up. Leave them alone. I'm serious. I'm so tired of people talking about how free they are and have no fruit to show for it. Show me your fruit, boss. You ain't got none. Apple tree in the backyard, that don't count. If you have to flaunt your freedom, you're not free. Listen, let me tell you what freedom is. It's being able to say yes or no and not being bothered by it. 
That's what that means. It's not that I have to say, no, 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 no. It's that I can do this or I can't and this does not affect me at all. If you have the opportunity to participate in questionable activity and you participate in that and that's going to hurt someone else, don't tell them about it. Keep your mouth shut. If you can tell, I'm just setting some things in order this morning, your mind and heart. Nobody cares who you voted for either. And Jesus is nor Democrat or Republican. And if you are putting him on your party, that is idolatry. Stop. It's annoying. Hit people with a stone cold stunner. Shut up. You know? I'm serious. You go from identity to sensitivity. And when you begin to listen to the yeses and the noes of God, that will correct the activity that you are participating in. That will, that will correct itself. You cannot, listen, I am begging you as your pastor, do not do this backwards. Do not try to go home and correct all of this activity that you have been doing that is wrong because you can only correct that for about a month. But if you go home and you pick up this book and you start reading about how God feels about you, and you start looking as to, his, as to His interactions with other people, and you catch God's heart for you, and then you become sensitive, sensitive to His voice in the midst of all of that, all of this stuff, all of this activity will correct itself. I wasn't trying to be mean or harsh when I was talking about sensitivity. I really believe that I want to see people set free from this. So I am very passionate about this. Some of the activity that some of you are participating in is not godly. And if you continue to participate in it, it's not going to lead to good results. Listen to me though. Please listen to me as I say this. If you do not understand who you are, if I've said anything to you as a pastor, please listen to this. If you do not understand that you are a loved son or daughter of God, and if you try to go home and correct this activity that is going to kill you, if you do it from any other revelation that you are loved and God loves you and He cares about you and He wants to meet all of your needs, you will become self-righteous. If you discipline your way into appropriate activity, that is what Pharisees did. I'm giving you an out. I'm giving you an out to stop beating yourself up all the time. Good God. 
I wouldn't want to serve some of the people's Jesus y'all follow either. He's mean. And he's angry. And he hates you. And for some reason, you're just so inclined to follow that guy. And if you wake up and have a bad attitude and somebody makes you mad at work and you say the wrong thing, then he's just displeased. You will never get free from your bad attitude if that's what you think. If you want to talk about somebody that used to have a bad attitude, I used to work at Fastenal. Okay? Used to have to go into work every day, work with people that I wasn't really that fond of every day. And I had to walk in to work every day. God loves them just as much as He loves me. God loves them just as much as He loves me, and I better get used to it and get to like them. They never did like me. It's okay. Join the crowd. One of my favorite uh, preachers, he used to say this. <laughs> I love this. He used to say this all the time. He's like, if you want to join the crowd of people who don't like me, there's a whole line of those people. He's like, but if you want to be in my fan club, there's a, there, I mean, you can be the one and sole member of that club. Exclusive rights and memberships. I think that's hilarious. But I would go into work. And over time, the Lord began to reveal to me while I was having a bad attitude about working in a place that I didn't really want to be. And it, because, it was because I was sensitive to hear His voice. Listen, I want to be very clear about this too. You can stand to your feet. I want to be very clear about this too. It was something that I was doing that I needed to stop doing because that was contributing to my bad attitude. And I heard the Lord say, I want you to stop doing this. And I stopped, and what do you know? Changed my attitude. You need to be sensitive to God's voice. Hey, thank you so much for listening today. Um, I hope that this encouraged you. I hope it uplifts you. And I pray that um, you go ahead and send it over to somebody that you think needs it right now. Um, if you would like to give to Hope Unlimited Church in any way, uh, you can go on our website, you can give there, or you can text any amount to 84321. We love you, and I hope to see you in person here at Hope Unlimited soon.